Okay, welcome back to the podcast and the recording, the video recording of the podcast, which is on our YouTube channel. And today I have Zach Carter with me. Uh, Welcome, Zach. Hi, thanks for having me. And I'm super excited because Zach is going to be working with us in our Brain Rewire program. So we've been spending time together um, getting kind of on the same page. So today I was hoping to introduce Zach. And of course, when we introduce his credentials and his journey, which is a really cool, exciting one. So make sure you stay tuned to listen to the journey that has unfolded that led him here. Um, we are, of course, going to make it a coaching, um, you know, some coaching moments for you so that you can understand how important this journey is in terms of brain rewiring. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, Zach. And if you don't mind kind of just sharing your background and how you and I met, and then we can dive in from there. Definitely, definitely. So we'll start with my background. We'll get to where I am now. So I was born in Danville, Virginia. I'm about 30 years old. I grew up in a Christian household. uh, And as I was growing up, I didn't really experience any trauma. I didn't have anything really bad happening. It It was a great family. Uh, but about at the age of 13, I was hanging out with some friends and at 13 boys kind of start discovering sex and start discovering the different things. And so they were talking about masturbation and I didn't know what it was, how to do it, that kind of thing. And so I was asking them how to do it. And they're like, well, we can tell you, but just so you know, if you start doing this, you'll be hooked forever. And it's crazy that like 13 year olds can have that much foresight, like, we got Such clarity. It. We knew, we knew, but they were like, but it's also fun. So forget the consequences. So you won't mind being hooked on it all right. the time forever. It's this great. thing's great. Yeah, it's great. So there are no consequences to this. So, uh, so I, you know, began engaging in it shortly after a buddy of mine told me, you know, it's better when you partner it with images of beautiful women. And I was like, I'm willing to try that too. So it's like know, a Reese's cup. It's like, you know, that, your chocolate fell into my peanut butter. Your that's peanut right. butter, like, that's you know, right. chocolate like, peanut butter. They just this go, goes together. better great. together. <laughs> like, this is a great match. Who came up with this? So, so, right. So, you know, and at the time, you know, my access was like the JCPenney catalog, which younger <laughs> people have no idea what JCPenney is anymore because they're not even around. Or catalogs. But it's like, <laughs> it's like Target, right? It's like Target and Walmart catalog. Oh my gosh, and, the catalogs were the best, not sexually, just the, when the catalog <laughs> came, I remember like, remember that was the way you could like, it was like going online though. Like, you know, to make was. a, right. to be able to make a, you know, correlation to that. I remember when that catalog came, it's literally like trolling the internet. I would go through that catalog from front cover to the back cover to see what new interesting items were out for purchase. Right. You know, but I, I had no intention of buying women's bathing suits. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? Some men are online looking at women's bathing suits <laughs> That's today That's for there the are. exact same reason. I wasn't. So mm-hmm. uh, anyways, so And then the next thing, so my family moves from small Danville, Virginia into Richmond, Virginia, about the same time that I learned about all this stuff. And the next thing that happens is we get a computer in the house, which is an atom bomb that was brought into the living room of the house. And I started discovering that I can search things online and it starts off with, you know, what would be quote unquote milder stuff. And then it evolves over time and it evolves and it evolves and it evolves. And so I'm looking at it more and more. And so 
you know, fast forward 15 years and I have this problem where I'm like, I can't stop doing this. This pattern has formed. I don't know how to get away from this. And throughout my life, I tried a lot of different things. And I, I, I think the breakthrough for me was first talking to my best friend in college, like getting it out. And so I told, and it was the scariest thing ever because it's shameful. I felt shame. I was like, dude, I got this problem. And I just told him and he just listened. And it felt amazing to like have someone that I thought he was going to judge me. I thought he was going to be like, you're gross. And in my experience throughout my life, whenever I've talked to people about it, no one's ever been like, you're gross, you're disgusting. Everybody's like, either like, I got the same problem or they're like, I totally get it. That's understandable. So I, I go through life and I, I'm trying to figure this out on my own. I'm trying to figure out how do you get away from this and trying to figure out something on your own is the worst. Like going to experts is always great, but this is a new field. There's not a lot of people. I mean, there are people, but there's not a lot of people doing it. So I was trying things like, you know, I put net nanny on my computer. And so then I started watching it on my PS3 right? And then I got rid of the PS3. And then I started watching it on my iPod. Now we have iPhones and iPods aren't a thing anymore, but on my iPod, got rid of the iPod, started finding ways around the software, had to get rid of the computer. So I was desperately trying to get away from this. Um, And ultimately about two years ago, uh, I met a woman uh, and we started getting serious, started getting serious. And I, I just did not want to bring this into my marriage. I didn't, I knew it was going to be destructive. And so I joined a group uh, at church and it's called, it was called proven men. It's similar to sexaholics anonymous kind of, and a little bit more religious, but it's similar. And you talk with these guys weekly about what's going on in your life, you know, your successes, your failures. And I started noticing, like, I just, it just catapulted me away from this stuff. And I got married and to a loving woman and, you know, wanting to do right by her and do right by the marriage, just continue to, to help. So right now, I'm now a grad student at VCU. I've been working on doing this for a few years. I, I had known for a while, and if you want to get into it, we can, of why I went to school and did this. But for a few years, I've been working towards getting into grad school, learning counseling. And so now I'm in the counseling department at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University over at Virginia studying counseling, but I want to work specifically with people with pornography addiction. So that's, that's about me. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for the intro. And I've been taking notes uh, on kind Mm -hmm. of some of the things, interesting points for us to dig in a little, Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I congratulate you on being able to make that journey. You know how I think about this is that, you know, I say this in my program all the time to people is that this problem is rampant and people are struggling with it. And there is a point where they don't know they're struggling. Then they transition into this point where they know they have a problem, but they also know they don't know how to solve it. And it's scary and they don't want anybody to know. So they convince themselves it's not really that big of a problem. And, you know, it's like the 1% right now, you know, and I'm making that number up, but you know, the 1% of people can go, this is not for me. I know it's normalized. And that's going to be one thing I'd like to talk to you about. It's more normalized and younger, you know, even 10 years younger than you, it's completely normalized. You tell your friend and they're like, well, there's no problem. You know, it's so normalized, but you know, the 1% decides I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I'm going to start working on this. And, you know, those are kind of like early adopters, the person who's willing to go buy the very first iPhone, even though it costs 
a thousand dollars. And, you know, so we have early adopters and that really deserves congratulations. I Um, I appreciate it. What what I will say about what, what you're saying is in the people, because people now ask me, what are you going to school for? And so initially I usually start broad because I don't know how many people want to die. I think you said you do the same thing. I can tell you what I say. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to school for counseling there. And literally I was getting my hair cut yesterday and this dude was cutting my hair and he was like, okay, so what are you studying? And I was like, counseling. He's like, okay, what specifically do you want to work with people with? And I was like, pornography addiction. And so what's interesting though, is that a lot of people that I talk to that I feel like are going to be like, oh, porn's not a big deal. Uh Uh-huh. I think the vast majority of them, when I tell them are like, yeah, people need help with that. And it's super interesting because if you look at academia, they're like, it's kind of split. There's a lot of people who are on the, it's not a big deal train, but there are people that are like, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. But I think the lay person gets it. I think they're like, and not, and not, that's not. I love not, that. I love that. Yeah. No, that you don't even need to explain it. That is. Yeah. Don't like I was gonna say, don't cover that one up because that's true. Because when people go, where's the study behind this? Like on some of my videos, and I do put studies on it, and I forget to put the study link there a lot, but uh, you know, like where's the study on that? The point is like read the read the 50 comments below this video. We don't even need the study. This is the person's experience. Like, you know, yes, there are studies to support this, but at the same time, the average person knows that this is a struggle for them, their friend their brother, their, you know, and, and again, I think you're totally right on that. So that's right. And, a cool and when perception. I was saying lay person, I'm, I'm more so meant average, like what you're yeah. saying is not a Definitely. person that's not in academia studying. This is more so what I mean, because I'm not deriding people that aren't in academia. Yeah. 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 So yeah, totally. I, I agree with you. And I think that's an interesting takeaway. And for me as a woman, it's weird because I don't want, it's happened to me where um, I've told the story before and it's happened a bunch of times. I'm sure it's going to happen a whole lot more as I get more vocal in my friend group, mm. because I'm very vocal online, obviously, but mm. not even friend group. Of course, all my friends know what I do, but more like my acquaintance and my neighborhood, like they know that I work with people with focus issues and anxiety because that's what I've worked with for a long time. And so I say, you know, I, I work with people who struggle with anxiety, focus and internet addictions. And then some people get a little shifty there. And, and I actually told one of my daughter's friends, dads last night. So if you're listening, hello, <laughs> because I'm like, actually, I produce a lot of content online about this. I could see in his eyes. But the thing is, it goes from direct eye contact to shifty eye contact to uncomfortableness. And then I go, but I preface it. I go, honestly, if you can handle it. And then everybody goes, I can handle it. <laughs> and I say, I work with people who struggle with pornography addiction, which honestly is becoming the vast majority of people in the world. And of course, like I put it out there without judgment and, and, you know, and then, and when the people who agree, and even if they're wrapped up in it to a certain extent, and I say this to people, I go, do you know how damaging it can be? And then, you know, some guys will go, I'm pretty sure I know some of it, but not all of it. (laughs) And, you know, but I've had people who have seen like friends of my husband's mainly, who have seen my content online and will take a screenshot of it and send it to my husband or yeah. like I see them out and they'll go, Oh, and, the, and with really uncomfortable laughter about like some, my most recent video. And I'll go, what's so funny about that. And then it's just super uncomfortable laughter. And I'll be like, that, it's not funny. It's real. It's like, this is a real thing. So. Well, and, and, and one of the things about it is when you're like, there are problems a lot of those problems aren't immediate. So in the same way that 
you put money in a 401k, when you go down the road 30 or 40 years, suddenly you've got a million dollars. You got $1.5 million because you've been consistently putting money away. If you're consistently putting away lust, porn, masturbation, then the reverse of the 401k happens to you, which is destruction, burning down your family. Like it just does. It just does. It does. And that's why I always tell people there's no horizontal spiral the way I talk about it. Like in your life, you're either in an upward spiral, you're doing as many positive things and the least amount of negative things. This goes for anything, but especially porn. Or if you're doing a lot of negative things and then you stop doing the positive things, you're in a downward spiral and it's on a continuum of upward to downward spiral. There's no horizontal spiral and it's a feedback loop. And from a neuroscience perspective, it's called a feedback loop. And it goes back to Hebb's law neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm -hmm. So if you're firing and wiring the neural pathways using porn for lust and objectification and hypersexuality, you Mm -hmm. get more of it neurologically. And if you are wiring in, you know, purpose and friendship and connection and healthy mood regulation, you get more of that. So it's really just what you spend your time and your neural energy doing. But I really love that. That's an awesome, uh, actually, I'm in the midst of writing the book that I keep threatening to write. So, which is pretty cool. Um, And I was looking up Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde Mm -hmm. yesterday, yesterday, two days ago, because I always talk about the kind of the two personalities that fall out of the addictive cycle of porn as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So I thought to myself, which one's the real one? Like, is it Jekyll? Is it Hyde? And my contention really is that neither are because underneath it is one's true authentic self. And the way I refer to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, just so anybody, if you don't know the story, it was written in 1885. I forget the guy's name, but it was written in 1885. And, you know, now there's been movies and it's a doctor who by day, you know, seems to be the perfect gentleman and have all his ducks in a row and he's well esteemed in the community. But then at night he turns into Hyde who lusts and he uses prostitutes and he ravages town and he's very addictive, total pleasure seeking. Um, So throughout the story, he becomes Hyde more and more and more. And this goes back to your point. And then it's harder for him to become Jekyll because Mm. Hyde takes over and he has to take pills to make himself back into Dr. Jekyll. That's why I thought like, which one's the real one, but really both of them are a manifestation because as Hyde double doubles down and becomes more addictive and wrapped up in it, Dr. Jekyll has to take more and more pills to maintain that facade. And really like the true authentic version of himself is gone, is kind of squashed by the addictive cycle. And so as we help people come out of it, finding who you really are in there and, you know, doing all the right stuff neurologically is what brings you out so that the hide goes away and you don't have to double down on putting this pretense on. So to cover the shame that you feel underneath. Right. So if that was Freud talking, he would say like Dr. Jekyll is the super ego, Mr. Hyde's the id. And so you're saying the ego somewhere in the middle where, the super ego is like, oh, here are the here's like the best version of yourself. That it is the animalistic tendencies, and you're like, okay, we want to. The ego needs to find a way towards that super ego and away from that it as best as they can. Yeah, and the way I always talk about it more and more these days, to just to simplify it for people, so there's not too many things to keep track of, right. is that like I refer to it as your true self or your ego. Mm-hmm. And ego has two sides. There's two sides to the coin. 
And so, but it's always looking for external validation. So there's two sides of the coin of ego, and then there's your true authentic self that's buried. And so like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want a new car and you achieve a degree just so you can be called something or put, you know, I have some friends that put like 17 initials after their name. Mm -hmm. And I think it's ridiculous. I don't need to be validated by 17 Mm -hmm. initials. I need to be validated by the true work that lights my heart up and I get to go do it every day, no matter what letters and numbers I have after my name, but like, that's all external validation, but society says it's okay. So it's like, kind of like, okay to be validated in that way. But then of course, then there's the more animalistic version that, and Mm. and when we talk about it's, it's basically like your ego learned that if I'm going to have to be on in this way so much, Mm. and if I got to be Dr. Jekyll and put this on and work so hard to make money and live in a house and drive a car and keep up with the Joneses, I deserve a little bit of this animal nature when no one's looking, you know? And so then Hyde has to tap into relief from the, Mm. from being that ego tapping Mm. into the animalistic side, where just offsetting the stress of this. But when you get rid of that and you, you can just go, this is me. I don't care if you like it. I'm, you know, this is the version of me that I, I want to be an artist. I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be an artist or, you know, yeah. Mom and dad help people with porn addiction. (laughs) And so like when you can do that, then you don't have to fake it. Then you don't need to offset it because Mm. you just move through your days more seamlessly. So I like to just keep it simple. Like ego has two sides to the coin, to coin, Mm. to the coin. But then underneath it is your real self. And if that real self can come out, you don't need the coin anymore. To to just beat this dead horse. Uh, (laughs) One more analogy that I think is super fascinating and will also show my true, true dorkiness. (laughs) So Batman, Batman is three people, right? So Batman is the fake, the Bruce Wayne, right? You've got Batman, which is the mask. That's like, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to save my city. And then you have Bruce, which is somewhere in the middle where only like Alfred Robin, Batgirl, these people know him, but Bruce kind of gets crushed in and not allowed to thrive and be his true self because he feels like I got Batman where I've got this obligation that I've got this face I need to put on for people as Bruce Wayne. And like when you're engaged in pornography, you're giving into the the Bruce Wayne aspects of the gluttony and the and the craziness. And that can overwhelm who you really are that that true bruce self yeah right i love it i'm a marvel girl i've admitted this publicly but (laughs) i can appreciate batman dc universe is not really my full jam i'm more definitely but i could like them both um you could like them both spider-man was my favorite for the longest right now batman to me is a deeper character which is why i think i'm like yeah well there's a new movie coming out i talk about movies on these things all the time my family is my son especially he's super cool into movies and he can analyze Mm. them but Mm. yes yes there's Mm. a couple good batmans that have played batman historically Mm. speaking but i love that because it's totally true and i think you know mask too when a person puts an actual mask on Mm. it's hard for some people to see they're wearing a mask and that actually is like a first step in figuring figuring it out okay but let me go back to my notes so we can um one other thing i wanted to say is that you know part of the program that i try to offer for people is affordable and i know it's an investment the 90 day program mm. is an investment i'm not saying it's cheap but i'm also saying it's affordable to mm. professionals in this space and like you were saying you know you knew you had a problem you're trying mm. all these things you're you know locking your ipod in a 
break of ice, you know, like some people do. And then if you try to go get help, it's super expensive to work with a highly trained professional. And honestly, that's why I'm here because I had a similar journey with someone I care about and they spent wasted. I will use the word wasted, which I don't normally when I'm talking about investing Mm -hmm. money with a professional, wasted money in the wrong professionals, some who didn't help him at all, others that literally made him worse. But of course, it's the hijacker in him paying people to tell him he's fine and porn's totally okay. And the hijacker wants to latch onto that, comes back to me, porn's fine. This person just told me. Like, do not listen to that professional. They do not know what they're talking about. So the programs that I've made, I've tried to, I'm in the midst of writing a book so that, you know, it's 10, 15 bucks in your hand and you get all the pieces, but of course you have to implement it yourself. And then we have programs of all different shapes and sizes because people need the information to come out of this. And it really is intricate. And I know you're learning this a lot across your journey Mm. is that, you know, it's not an easy fix. It's not just as easy as, you know, getting rid of your, of your laptop because mm. that hijacker in you will find your, your PlayStation will find your, uh, your old iPod. I've worked with people who dusted out the old iPod, right. found the charger and fired that thing up because mm-hmm. they blocked everything else up. And, and I know that that's a really eye opening moment for people. Sometimes, sometimes they can't even see themselves doing it. They'll justify it by, they want to see what their old iPod playlist looks like. And I'll be looking at them and coaching going, you can't buy that. You cannot possibly believe that's why you got your iPod out, but you know, that professional help really is expensive. That's why we make these videos so Mm -hmm. that people out there across the world. And I was just looking on on the YouTube analytics, it's across the world. And I'm so glad that everybody is able to go to the YouTube channel and get the help that they need, you know, week by week with content. And then we have programs and, you know, you are at the, you know, moving towards the tail end of your training, being able to help mm. people. So right. this is important stuff. Well, and, um, and did you have a thought add, about that? Yeah. Just to add, you know, information is awesome because without information, without understanding, you don't know what direction you're heading in, but if you don't take the steps to get to the place you're walking towards, then it's useless. It's pointless. And it wasn't until I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to tell my best friend that this is a problem. I'm going to get an accountability partner. I'm going to put in software. I'm going to go to group. You know, if you've tried some of these things, but not others, then you have to increase the, the level of protection to yourself you know, at least until the point where you get to a pattern of where you can literally tell your brain, no, there were parts and there were times in my life where I literally couldn't say no, I couldn't. If I was in a house by myself and I had access, it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. But now I have the ability to know, like, I have this thing. I have the prefrontal cortex, the front of your brain. I can say no to things. I can say no to the id. I can say no to Mr. Hyde. Right. And that's a process. It takes a long time. Uh, but your brain can heal. You can heal. You can do it. Everyone can do it, but you have to do the work. And it's like working out. If you want to have a six pack, you got to diet and you got to go to the gym. So if you want to get away from this, a program, and you have to commit man, number, number one step. And I'm glad you, uh, cause that's where I was going next is that you told someone and you know, when you tell someone it, it is terrifying for most people, but it makes and honestly, I really think about this as the 
as you know, I think the hijacker is an easy way to think about it. You, your true self, who's locked in there and has been trapped by the hijacker, who's taking control, you're telling him, I'm telling someone else. Mm-hmm. And then he will freak out going, do not tell anybody else because he fights to stay alive. If you tell anybody and you actually take the steps to get rid of the hijacker, it's addiction. Addiction fights to stay alive. Like they don't go easily into the night. So, you know, telling someone else and then being accountable to someone else who will call you out on all these hijacker behaviors, but then being able to see them as hijacker behaviors also, because people will justify their behaviors. Sad. Like to me, it's, it's, it's like they can't even see it until they can see it. You know, that's the process piece. Self-awareness goes so low because the hijacker's been running the show for so long and telling someone like, and then, and then making sure you get rid of any access you have, all of it, iPod, old laptop, you know, because then when you know there's no back door open, you're committed a hundred percent. And you've got people on you who in a process, a group you have to show back up to. That's why we offer group coaching. That's very affordable. Once you join the 90 day program and they're amazing groups. And when you show up, you're not, you're like, okay, next week I got to look at those people in the eyes again and show right. up for this thing. So it creates exactly accountability. Right. And, and the thing that I saw in my life was the more walls of accountability you build the better it's going to work. Cause there are times where, you know, I'm like, I can't do this. Cause my wife, this is going to hurt her. This is going to hurt her. Sometimes that hijacker bypasses that one is like, I don't, I don't care in this moment. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But then I have, I got to tell the guys in my group. Right. And usually when it hits that barrier, it doesn't pass it, but occasionally it does. And so there's a third barrier for me, which is I have a responsibility that if I'm going to work in this industry, that I need to be, I need to have integrity mm-hmm. in what I'm saying, what I'm doing, right? Okay. And so that's my third barrier. So you, you, I love that. That's great. Mean, right. I love that. And I talk about it as building a foundation. And actually, I was just talking to Jamie. We had a meeting and I'm like, I was, what did I name it? Oh, I was, I'm going to add it to the 90 day program, calling it a fault line plan. Mm-hmm. And the fault line is like a fault line. Obviously, if there's an earthquake, it's a divide that begins to happen and it'll spread and spread and spread. And I was thinking about it a little bit differently, but it's the same. It's like a three step mechanism that you can know that you're disintegrating into some of the behaviors, but it can be applied in those moments too. Because, like, if you keep going to group, that's one accountability. And so, thinking of it as the if you, if you break your foundation down, a fault line begins to grow and you have to become aware that that's a thing. And, you know, being able to have kind of, it's like a three safe, three-step safety mechanism, you know, like a, a fingerprint, then like a retinal scanner, you know, mm-hmm. and then where, you know, to be able to get past that and, and have these blockades because it really can be getting over those urges and cravings and being able to move to the other side of it and keep a foundation of, of how you're not going back, but focusing on moving forward instead of always staying in the space of not going back is right. you know, what works for people right. and long-term. People just need to know that like, if you stay committed to your point, if you get further and further away from this, that it gets better. Like the temptations decrease and I'm not saying that they go away. They, they may or may not go away. Most of the people I've talked that have been in recovery for, for 15 plus years, they say this temptation is still there. 
but they but they're not engaging in the act, right? And and it usually fires up in times of stress, at least from my experience. Sure. Like it's not like you're tempted every day like you were in the past. Right. But you know, and keeping stress at bay can be stress and boredom because we know that's the number one reason why people exactly. end up going back. And if you can keep stress and boredom away, you can reduce those temptations at least moving forward, you know. Right. But you can you can heal your brain. Your brain is plastic. It is not, it is not once you it's not that you break it and it's done. Like it's able to heal itself. Totally, 100 percent I tell everybody, they're like, yeah. what about me? And you know, this is my journey. Everybody, I work with people who are 75 can heal right. their brains. I yeah. work with 20 year olds who consume porn for eight hours a day, you know, because right. it's frequency, consistency, intensity, right. and then you know, there's a lot of factors and anybody with any factors can heal their brain if they want to using the right strategies and the right support. And that's what science shows. Okay. Before we wrap up one more thing in in this um, episode is how did you come to find me and uh, my channel or my program? How did you, how did we get to know each other? You emailed me, but how'd you find out about that? Right, right, right. So at the time, it just depends on how far back you want to go. But the way I found you, I was reading a book called Dopamine Nation. And what I typically do is when I find something that I really love, I go to that person's content and I just listen to as much as I can just to really intake it. And I just loved Dopamine Nation so much. Me too. (laughs) It's so good. And so I was listening to different interviews and you were interviewing her. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And was it the I, part where I disagreed with her? <laughs> I don't I don't remember the specific disagreement. Uh it seemed it sounded like you said you 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 guys lined up a lot. We, oh, totally. We we our thinking is exactly the same, but I made the contention mm. that porn addictions more elusive than other addictions. I still make that contention, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's and easier it's be- to be anonymous. I think it's easier for it to fly under the radar until Mm. people are at devastating points. And I know people can hide drug addictions and alcohol addictions, but because the behavioral manifestations, I think, show up or it can be read on them a little bit earlier. Right. um, That was my contention. She's like, "Eh, you know, I think they're all kind of this of equal weight. And I'm like, I I think moving into the future, the science is going to prove that uh, this one's slipperier than others. Have you, have you heard of the AAA engine? Yes. If, if, yeah. yeah. So it's affordable for those that don't know, it's affordability. So porn can be free. So it's easy mm-hmm. access. So it's super easy to get to. Porn in and your pocket. It's, it's in your pocket. And then um, it's uh, anonymous. So you can mm-hmm. do it without people knowing. And that's why it's so insanely addictive. So, so addictive. dangerous. And the other, the other piece is that, now kids are exposed to it as young as eight, eight to 11 on average, but even younger than that. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to drugs and alcohol, typically people aren't exposed to it till later teen years or early adulthood. And we know from the science that the earlier that you are exposed to a substance or a behavior, the harder and faster it hijacks the brain because the brain's not mm-hmm. developed. So like just those aspects make it so much more dangerous because the average age of exposure is going down and it's being normalized. So now if a 10 year old goes and shows their friend, their friend's already seen it. And, and it has, and we know that it hijacks a brain within two exposures. 
one really, but two definitely. So like, mm. I think it's just so much more dangerous, but anyways, well, that is a great, uh, talking with her was really, really cool. Cause yeah. Well, and if, if I may just, and I know we're wrapping up, if I can tell a quick story of yeah. ultimately why I chose this career, mm-hmm. because it leads to how I reached out to you. So I, Obviously, I had I'd struggled with this for a long time. I wanted to partially fix myself, but also help others because I knew how destructive it was. But I went through, and I'm the kind of person who is good at a lot of different things, but is not a master of one thing. And so I tried a lot of things throughout my 20s. I, When I was in school, I was doing video production. I was doing CMA Fest. I was working for Disney, all these different things while I was in Nashville. And then I leave Nashville. I come back home, and I don't know what I'm going to do but I knew I liked working with college students. And so I got tied into a church where I got to be a college pastor for a few years. I did that. And I burned myself out. I was doing a podcast. I was working full time. I was doing college ministry and I burned myself out. And I just loved taking trips by myself to different places. And I traveled down to South Carolina. I was supposed to be there for like five days and two days in, I was miserable. I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I was going to comedy shows and I wasn't laughing and I was walking around the city and I was just bored, which I know, I know how to entertain myself. It's completely fine. I know how to travel. I've done it a lot, lot by myself and a lot with other people. And so about three days in, I'm like, screw it. I'm going home. I'm done with this trip. And so I'm driving home and it's like a eight hour trip or so. And two hours in, I'm just like, I'm praying a little bit. And I'm also thinking, I'm like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do with my life? And I just broke it down between, okay, what am I good at? What do I think I'm good at? What do people around me tell me I'm good at? So I get confirmation. Yes, you're good at this. What what have been my favorite jobs? And as I'm thinking about these things, I'm like, you know, I love psychology. I love working with people. I wonder if counseling would be the thing for me. And because I had this problem since I was young, I was like, you know, I want to help people get out of this addiction. So I've spent years going to school, kind of going back and taking a few psychology classes because my degree didn't have very many. And then I applied to grad school, made it into grad school. And I've been studying there. But I was like, I, I, I need to reach out to somebody who is actually doing what I want to do. This is a niche market. And so there's not a lot of people doing it. And so when I found your podcast and I was listening to this, I was like, man, I, maybe I can reach out to her and we'll just see. And it's scary. Like you didn't know me and I didn't know you personally. I know you have a very successful show, very successful podcast, and you could very easily ignore me sending you my stuff. My email could get ignored, but I said, yeah, and I, I ignore a lot of emails just so you know, and there's something I do. Like I get an email like that almost every day. You could, you know, And so that's pretty wild because not to cut you off, but then Mm. I said, I I saw your email. I looked at it a bunch of times. And then I said, Jamie, I should probably, you know, talk to him. Mm. And because I was vibing it and I go by vibe a lot too, you know, energy. And Mm. I didn't really know Jamie made an appointment to Mm. talk to you. And then Mm. Jamie talked to you. And then Jamie told me, I talked to him and she kind of told me some of the discussion and I'm like, oh no, like she gave him the impression that I was interested in him for like, you know, tagging my videos. So I just emailed you and said, do you have time to talk today? Cause I wanted to clear the air, but I also wanted to meet you, but I definitely wasn't thinking like for you to tag videos, you know what I mean? And uh, 
So that I thought was interesting because I do, we get emails all the time and I will, I'll look at everybody's really quickly, but I've been waiting Mm. for the right person Mm. to come to me, to be able to work with, because I'm trying to, you know, for what I want to do, I want to be able to offer more support to people. So anyways, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to add that. I thought that was a fun part of the, where I was like, gee, you told him what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and both of you guys were like super sweet. So I didn't get any bad vibes. I was like, oh, they just want to bring me on. Well, and I also knew from working in the music industry and the film industry that like you you get in by volunteering and then once you've made a name for yourself, then you can start getting paid and that kind of thing. So I was, you know, I was willing for whatever. I was like, you know what? This is the career I've chosen. I'm going to reach out. I'm just going to try. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to do a thing. And so you know, one thing leads to another, we get to talking and, and the fit seems well. And so we're like, you know, I'm, I'm going through the program right now to kind of understand it and get trained up so that I can, you know, eventually start helping, helping other people. And it's been, it's yeah. been awesome. The program's great. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Mm. Yeah. I, I was really excited about that because it's important for me to, well, I just wanted to jump back to one thing and, mm. and people tell me this all the time and then we will wrap up because we promised yeah. we would, but, um, what people tell me is that they watch my videos and they think I'm just trying to like hook them in to buy something. Right. And that's not at all the intention of the videos. I made the videos before I had the program. I just made the videos to help the world. And then the world's like, do you have a program we can buy? Mm. So, and then I, I told you this, I, I, I know it sounds cliche, but when I put the program together, like I literally feel like it came to me and through me using all of the education and experience and expertise that I had developed over 25 years. Like I literally, it came all together in this amazing program that when I got done, I'm like, damn, this thing is good. Like not in a take credit for it way in a, I can't believe I was able to culminate all of this that I know it's going to help people. And then of course I knew all the science behind it too. But um, what people tell me all the time is they're like, you know, I saw a couple of your videos and I thought you're just baiting me into buying your program, but then I get the feeling you're not. And so like, you know, it really is difficult to find a person who knows what they're talking about and is willing to share that. And I told you this, like, I am willing to share it with the world. And I especially am willing to share it with someone who heart is in this field because there's only so much I can do and I need help, but I need help that's going to be synergistic so that we feel the same way about this thing and that we care about people's brains and we want to use the neurological aspect to actually heal their brain from inside out. And that the components of it make sense to, to a counseling or a counselor, all the pieces are built on old school counseling plus new, new technology and forward thinking healthcare, you know? So that's when I, when you and I were talking, I'm like, man, you know, your credentials all just line up with what would be perfect to be able to carry this mission forward and then you were cute too, because you're like, it, you know, it doesn't say on your resume, your personal experience. So when we right. first talked, you're like, you typically don't put that on a resume, <laughs> by the way, I looked at a lot of pornography in my past. <laughs> I'm like, you're supposed to put that under like personal, you know, cause you said, you don't put this on your resume, but I'm like, and I didn't, I, and I was, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I wonder why he's passionate. And that's why I said, like, why are you passionate towards this cause? And then of course, if you've lived this life and this journey, First of all, you know it like you have to be personally involved in this or you mm. just don't understand the intricacies of it. Mm. And you need to understand the intricacies to be able to help people. So like, you know, so that's what it's about. All right, let's wrap up before we beat a dead horse even more. Um, 
Okay. Well, thanks for joining me and people can look forward to more of you on the podcast and videos on, we're going to attempt to make some shorter videos in the future of kind of clips like I've been making, but we'll definitely have more of these podcast recordings. So join us next time. So thanks for joining me, Zach. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Bye.